Welcome to Chapter 2, Money Management Skills, Financial Statements, and Budgeting. You know, if I were going to name this chapter, I would like to name it, We Spent How Much on What? And that's what you'll often hear when you um, are in the lab in the face-to-face -face class, we have a lab where we do the present. We do the, I'm sorry, the, the spreadsheets together, and you'll hear people say, "How much am I spending on this? I spent how much on what?" These two documents that we're going to create in this chapter should last you a lifetime, more than any of the other things that we do this semester. These documents are the most important things because these are your roadmaps. They are your financial statements that will help you get a handle on where your money is coming from. Well, most people know that. But more importantly, where is it going? But first, let's uh, set some ground rules here. Slide number two. What's the definition of money management? Well, here's your books. The day-to-day -day financial activities necessary to manage current personal economic resources while working toward long-term financial security. Kind of sounds like a definition of personal finance, doesn't it? Funders personal fin financial planning, yeah. But that's the book's definition and that's what we'll use. I like to, uh, to think of it as this. Uh, how come we always have too much month at the end of the money? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Anybody out there get paid once a month, right? Well, if you work for a school district, you know what I'm talking about, or a community college, or we get paid once a month. And it, it, you know, at first you think of it as a curse. I went from a job where I was getting paid once a week to a job where I got paid once a month. And at first, yeah, especially that first summer, ah! But then you realize this is a blessing because you really do learn how to budget your money whether or not you do the techniques the, the the financial spreadsheets that we create this this chapter i mean i hope you will obviously i'm gonna i'm gonna make it a it's an assignment but i hope you'll you'll stick with it but if you do get paid once a month you learn how to budget whether you use these tools or not if not you wind up with pretty hefty credit card bills slide number three what are some of the major money management activities Store and maintain personal financial records and documents. Create the personal financial statements. That's the gist. That's the uh, the the uh, theme of this chapter. The cash flow statement, also called an income statement, and the net worth statement, called the balance sheet. Don't worry, you accountants. We're not gonna. We don't. We just pick these numbers out of the out of out of the hat or out of our checking book checkbook. We don't have to worry about doing any accounting in here. Create and implement a plan for spending and saving. Ah, it sounds like budgeting, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> relax. Why keep financial records? Slide number four. Well, here are some of the book's reasons, and they're all very good. To help make spending decisions, to plan future spending, to pay bills on time, to see your changes in net worth always. Not always, but usually pretty exciting. Uh, to make good investment decisions, to prepare your income taxes in preparation of applying for a loan. But most importantly, 
The one they don't add is the one I added at the bottom. So you know what is happening to your money. We spent how much money on what? <laughs> Slide number five. What to keep in your home file. Now remember in chapter one, I asked you to do some, some goals. And one of them is a non-financial goal. Well, here's a great non-financial goal. Organize and, and, and create and organize a system for filing your records. Or even maybe you have an accordion file somewhere or a filing cabinet and all the papers are in a shoebox somewhere. So you got to get serious, right? Items you all refer to often. Personal employment records, tax records, financial services, money management, credit, consumer purchasing, insurance investments, housing and car records, and estate planning and retirement records. All the things that you can access and should be able to access easily so that you can see what's going on. But what happens is that there are some things, slide number six, that need to be kept in a safe place. Now, I recommend a safe deposit box, or sometimes called a safety deposit box. They're very cheap. Your bank will um, offer you them for, I don't know, 20 to 60 bucks a year, right? We get this sweetheart deal. We got, well, I think ours cost eleven and a half dollars a year we, we 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 did it a long time ago and they said if you start now we'll keep it at this and at this rate and so yeah thank you very much it's a little box that goes in the bank now people will sometimes put gold coins and other and cash in here not smart that's not what these things are for these are for birth certificates marriage death certificates citizenship military papers, adoption and custody papers, serial numbers and the photos of valuable items in case there's a fire, right? CDs and mortgage papers and the title to your uh, deed, yes, deed to your house, yes. Insurance policies, stock and bond certificates, nobody has these anymore. Copies of the will, yes. Coins and collectibles, okay. What about just buying a home safe? Well, folks, they've come down in price, the big ones and the, and, the, and the very secure ones. But most of these home safes are not very secure. First of all, you're very worried about a fire, right? Because fire is, you know, water damage and smoke damage. And, of course, the fire itself can, can, can just wipe you out. Just unbelievable. So these safes will say, oh, this thing is good up to 1,000 degrees. Yeah, great. What about the papers inside it? Well, too late. They're already burnt up. And what about theft? Well, is your, your thief is just going to pick it up and carry it. Now, if you get one of these serious ones that businesses own, you used to have to spend several thousand dollars. And indeed, they could withstand, or the contents could withstand a fire up to whatever, 1,200 degrees or whatever, and no you know, it would have to be a very, very <laughs> um, motivated thief to actually get this thing out of your house. So, so I, so if you're going to spend several thousand dollars. I must rather just rent the safety deposit box and let the bank take care of it. Now, the one thing you have to worry about the safety deposit box is they're only going to give you two keys, and no <clears throat> legitimate, <clears throat> excuse me, no legitimate uh, locksmith is going to make copies of them because they know what they are. And they're just going to say, sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get a reputation for, for copying these things. 
So you have to be careful. If you lose both keys, what does the bank do? Do they send you a replacement? No, there are no replacements. Right. They drill the safety deposit I'm sorry. They drill the safety deposit box open, throw it away, and put a new one in and charge you $800. Right. So don't lose the keys. Don't put the one key in the safety deposit box for safe key. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, good. And some of you might disagree with me. You might think, oh, my safe is is fine. Some safes are built into the floor. Now there, that's a great thing. That's a pretty cool thing. Next slide. Other places to keep records. Your vehicle registration. Well, the CHP, uh, they tell you to put it in your car, in your glove box. I don't like this. I put it in my wallet. I give, I make copies, give them to my son, my, my wife, and I think we should carry them around. Why? Because if somebody steals your car, They've got the registration. And other people say, you know, what are you worried about it? Once you report the car stolen, that registration is not good for anything. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, on the, I'm, I'm, I'm in the minority here. We're going to talk about estate documents at the very end of the semester when we discuss the last chapter <laughs> in our lives, death. So, yeah, you want to um, make sure that uh, the lawyer, the executor, or the people in, who are going to take over from when when you meet your great demise um, onto the next plane of existence, uh, you, um, you, the, they will be able to, to get a hold of that easily. Now, your home computer is a trove, a treasure trove of important data, if you're like most people. So there are other companies. In fact, I'm looking for another company because the one company I use, PGP, was bought by another company called Symantec, which is not the best company. I, I'm not very fond of them. They've treated me poorly in the past. So I'm looking for a replacement. But PGP is actually pretty good. <laughs> That's what PGP stands for. It stands for pretty good protection. And if you look into the history of this program, when it was originally written, the government went after the guy who wrote it because it was so good. <laughs> they were really angry that this guy can write something that they're uh, they're uh, hackers, they're uh, in, um, encryption experts, or I say decryption experts, decoding experts, couldn't get through. So they threatened to throw the guy in jail. It's very interesting, um, a political and economic uh, uh, a story. So if you're so inclined, you might want to take a look at that. But it is a very good program. Don't think it just because your Windows uh, machine has a password on it. No, wrong. <laughs> that does not protect your data. All they have to do is take out the hard drive, put it in another machine as a slave drive, and all that data is 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 a available to be read. So if you really do worry about your data, you want to look into some kind of a good encryption scheme. And of course, what should be encrypted on your machine? All the financial and investment data that is on your machine. And do you use a good password for your home banking and, and the like? You really should. It should be at least 8 to 12 characters. You know, not supposed to use your pet's name or don't use your children's name or you got to throw a few weird characters in there, some uppercase, lowercase, and then you can be reasonably, reasonably 
uh, assured that no one's going to hack into it using uh, encryption tools, decryption tools, because it's just it's just too much of a pain in the neck. You're not that big a target. At least I don't think my, I'm a very big target. If people really did want to grab your your password, what they do is they'll put a little camera above your computer. You know that's how that's how sophisticated some of these uh, these uh, devices are. Just watch you type in your keystrokes. Mm, slide number eight. Okay, let's get back on task here. Successful budgets are well planned, realistic, flexible, clearly communicated, and next to impossible. <laughs> Does budgeting ever work? Well, you talk to people who've tried it. They'll say, yeah, yeah, I tried it for a while, but, you know, uh, I would say so much for this, so much for that, so much for this. And at the end of the month, it's, oh, so much for everything else. Uh, yeah, yeah, folks. Saving is easier than budgeting. If you remember one, I don't care which one you memorize. But I want you to live by one of these mantras. Spend less than you earn. Live beneath your means. Pay yourself first. Make love, not loans. For those of you old enough to remember, or if you happen to be into vinyl music, do I sound like a broken record? A broken record? A broken record? <laughs> yeah. If you put 10% or however, 100 bucks or 50 bucks into your investment plan before the month starts, you don't have to worry about having too much month at the end of the money. You got it? Saving is easier than budgeting. Pay yourself first. Is it reasonable? 10%. All right, so it's not reasonable. Put in 2% or 5% or whatever you can afford. 50 bucks, 100 bucks. That's what I'll ask people. I'll say, can you afford 50 bucks? And they'll say, oh, I don't know. How much is your cell phone payment? Uh, well, it's uh, supposed to be 40 bucks, but it winds up being 80 because I, I download a lot of ringtones. Right, how much is your uh, cable bill? Or whatever you use to bring content into your house for the television. Well, it's 120 bucks, 160 bucks, but we have internet and all the porn channels and, and we get to uh, pay for... Yeah, right. And then they start to realize, okay, okay... AT&T or Cox Cable or, or, or Verizon or the trash company or the, or the SDG&E or the rent. They're not going to prioritize my saving. Right? It's up to me to pay myself first, live beneath my means, spend less than I earn or make love, not loans. Okay, off my soapbox. Slide number 10. Here's the extreme viewpoint. This is the... Um, this is the, the money or your life people, the simplelivingforum.net folks. You see, they believe you should keep a small notebook with you at all times and record every monetary transaction that you make, no matter how small, and update your cash flow statements constantly. Now, I think that, that's why I called it extreme. I think this is a little extreme. Most people won't go to these lengths. Do it for a month, three weeks. Just do it as an exercise and see how much money really goes through the household. 
It's a real eye-opener, folks. It's a real eye-opener. And the folks from Your Money or Your Life, SimpleLivingForum.net, they live this. That's, they believe you should do this all the time. And uh, once you see the spreadsheet, when, you know, that's a separate presentation and commentary. When you see the spreadsheet, you'll see there's a place for every single dime that comes into your life and goes out of your life. And these people do it. Many of you won't. Um, I did it for a little while, but no, I, I, I'm not one of these people. It's funny, you never know who will do it. I would have never thought that my wife would be one of these people. But she did it after I said, let's do this for you know for a month or so. She kept doing it for, for quite some time. And I said, give me the numbers, sure, I'll put them in. And we did it for a whole year. It was a real eye-opener. Now, she doesn't do it anymore. Because once you get in the habit of certain things, you, you kind of understand what's going on. So see if you like it or not. See if you like it or not. But do it for a month, just for just for giggles. Slide number 11. So here we go. Folks, here's the meat of our chapter. The personal financial statements. We call it the net worth statement and the cash flow statement. And the accounting professors and students just cringe. Because the real name is a balance sheet and income statement. But, but for personal financial planning, this is good. Net worth statement, cash flow statement. The net worth statement is the snapshot. It's a, a, a point taken in time of your assets, what you own, versus your liabilities, what you owe. The, the cash flow statement, the financial statement called the cash flow statement, is the movie. That's the moving part of our finances. What's coming in? What's going out? Hence the term cash flow. It shows our income coming in and our expenses going out. Now, remember that the accounting students and the accounting professors will cringe when we use the term cash flow for what they call an income statement. And that's because there is a what's called statement of cash flows, which is totally different. Uh, you'll learn about it when you take accounting. If you take accounting, my, my condolences. Yes, I know some of you who have taken accounting are, are, are reliving past nightmares. We, don't worry, we're not going to do any any trial balances, no journals, no posting. Forget it. You know, you know. We also call the cash flow statement the budget. So let's look at each one in detail. Slide number 12. The balance sheet, the net worth statement, shows our assets. And we list them our liquid assets, what could easily be turned into cash, real estate, personal possessions, investment assets. And then below that, we um, enumerate, we write down our liabilities. The current liabilities are liabilities that are due in one year or less. And anything greater than one year is long-term, our long-term liabilities. And that's the accountants. That's what the accountants say. Now remember, we... We have a one to two years for short term, three to five years, we call that intermediate term, and then five, six, seven, or 20, or 10 or 20, we call those long terms. But this is the accountant's uh, way of looking at life here in terms of, of uh, liabilities and time frames. Net worth, well, it's, how do you calculate that? You take your assets, you subtract your liabilities, bingo, what you have left over is your net worth. 
assets minus liabilities. And uh, for you millennials, you young folks just starting out, especially if you have uh, uh, um, uh, educational loans, you know, student loans, don't be surprised if this is a negative number. Yeah. Hmm. And the book says that insolvency means that your liabilities far exceed your assets. Well, that's not necessarily true, folks. In fact, that's very misleading. Because as long as you can service your liabilities, even if they far exceed your assets, it's not a problem. But there is a rule of thumb. There is a rule of thumb. If your short-term liabilities, normally credit card debt, if they are equal to or exceed your annual income, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're making $30,000 and you have $40,000 worth of credit card debt. Yeah, you're probably going to wind up in bankruptcy court, but uh, I'm not a bankruptcy lawyer. I'm three years of law school and one bar exam away from being able to give legal advice in the state of California. So I can't determine if you're a candidate for a bona fide candidate for, for, for uh, bankruptcy, but still, that's the rule of thumb. Let's now take a look at slide 13, and we find that insolvency is better determined here. Because what we're showing is the cash flow statement. We're showing the inflow and the outflow during a given time period, usually a month, and then we extrapolate that to a year. So that's our income versus expenses. And if we are able to service the debt that we have, then we're not insolvent. But if it's getting to the point where we can't make our payments to the doctor and the food bill and the, and the rent and the trash and, the, and, and, and still pay the debt, then we're in trouble, right? That's, that's why insolvency is better determined here. Record your cash inflows. Well, that's usually pretty straightforward. How much money do you make? Some people get a, you know, same amount pretty much every month. Other people are, are seasonal workers or they're self-employed or they're salespeople. And then it's a little trickier. You have to get a handle on the average for the entire year. And then, you know, it takes time. And then here's the tricky part all the different cash outflows oh my goodness right the the the, the book they they um break things down into fixed versus variable expenses but i don't do that on the, on the spreadsheet that's on the website and again as i'll say when in the commentary i don't care if you make your own if you there are hundreds of these things on the internet that you can download for free some they'll charge you for uh, or use mine or just do it on by hand it's up to you and <clears throat> you take the income minus the expenses and hopefully <laughs> you got something left over at the end of the month right we use this as a basis for creating and spending our saving and investment plan hmm? so slide number 14 it's re ready to get started on those financial documents right Okay, on the website is the spreadsheet and a commentary presentation on how to do it. So I want you to get started on these things. And as I'll tell you over and over again in the presentation, they take time. They take two to three to four months to get dialed in, to fine tune them. Because, oh yeah, I forgot about the uh, taking the dogs to the vets. And I forgot about, oh, the karate 
lessons and yeah. And then you have them and keep them updated for the rest of your life. I hope, I hope, I hope. They have served me well. And I know other people have said, oh yeah, these, <laughs> this is very, very important stuff. Okay, get the like. Our next chapter is on everybody's favorite topic, taxes. Ugh.